at SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. So we haven't done this in a while, catching up with Professor Beatrum Fielding. He's been so busy. <laughs> He's a virologist and a director of research and development at the University of the Western Cape. I'm really throwing you under the bus there, Prof. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, Pamela. Good afternoon and yourself. It's so understandable. I'm really, really fine. Thank you so much for joining us. Just a quick one, Prof. Um, you know, the, the difficulty with these vaccines, COVID-19 vaccines, that we've had such little time to assess them. And so as we go along, things are coming up. Can you talk to us about the J&J vaccine? Yes, Pamela. Um, so some good data is coming out. Um, you know, if, if we look at South Africa, for instance, and, and some of the global um, data as well, it appears as though just under about 60% of people are protected um, from infection in general. And then when we look at more severe COVID, um, the protection, the effectiveness of the J&J vaccine is much better at 85%. But I think the really good news is that it appears as though it protects 100% um, or it, it decreases deaths by 100%. Okay. So, so it looks as though it's very effective in those high-risk groups. Okay, so this doesn't necessarily then affect the profile of the people we are recommending to get the vaccine still. You know, um, from our earlier discussions, you know that I've always said we should we should vaccinate those high-risk individuals only. Mm-hmm. And, and and in my opinion, if you look at this data, it it kind of supports that stance again. And this is not just my opinion. There's mm-hmm. there's some very good researchers internationally that is saying exactly the same thing. These vaccines are really for emergency use, and it should really be used to minimize um, or really to cut out deaths. And, and if you look at the data, it's supporting that more and more. So it looks as though, as though the, the vast majority of countries where there are programs are focusing on these high-risk, um, they call it clinically high-risk groups mm-hmm. at the moment. These blood clots that we're seeing, some of these blood clots that are coming through, is that something to be very concerned about? Pamela, if you look at worldwide, about 790 million vaccines have been administered. And I'm talking about all vaccines now. Mm-hmm. The blood clots, um, under 200 globally. Mm-hmm. In South Africa, four uh, Johnson & Johnson um, uh, vaccines, or Johnson & Johnson, like four blood clots um, believed to be associated. If you look at that number. Is it four, as in, as in four, under five? As in four, as in four that, that is being investigated at the moment in the EU. Yes. Um, if you look at the, the numbers, um, the benefit to risk ratio mm-hmm. is still really good for, for those high-risk individuals to take the vaccine. Mm. Interestingly, these blood clots are reported more in younger people, yes, not in the older. That's why I asked you about the profile of, of the people. Um, and do we have a sense of what that could be? Because those people may have something in common. Only the weekend, um, a, a paper said that it could have something to do with the antibodies that are produced um, when this vaccine is administered, mm-hmm. and those antibodies then interfere with the blood clotting system. Okay. So it throws the blood clotting system out of whack, and mm-hmm. then you have blood clots. And if we think um, about COVID itself, COVID is deadly, mm-hmm. partly because of blood clots as well. Mm-hmm. However, the strange thing is um, blood clots for natural COVID in all the individuals with comorbidity. So that's a bit strange. Mm. 
Okay, so as you said, you know, as time goes on, um, we'll probably get more studies done and then we'll get more results on why that particular activity is happening. Um, and as, as things stand, we, we kind of are still on the same path. I, th- I think we are. Um, if we think about AstraZeneca, the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, um, used in more than 100 countries, been used much longer than Johnson & Johnson. Mm-hmm. Johnson probably used only in, um, in a handful of countries. So the data for AstraZeneca, which kind of works on the same principle as Johnson & Johnson, is so much more than the data that we have. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the type of... Um, what they call adverse effects that we see for Johnson and, and the benefits. I think we'll see very, very similar adverse effects and benefits when it comes to Johnson and Johnson. Like I said, they use the same type of technologies. Yeah. Okay. We'll catch up again soon, Professor Fielding, so that we can then maybe go into other details. But thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Pamela. Professor Petrum Fielding, virologist and a director of research and development at the University of the Western Cape. We obviously asked him today because some studies uh, were showing, in fact, there are some peer reviews happening in the EU um, where they are looking at the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and it causing uh, blood clots. He's he's really uh, just clarified that, that in... In all the people they're looking at, only four, one, two, three, four people have have actually had the adverse results. So as things stand, we are still fine with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And so um, nothing to worry about there. But obviously what we are going to do is as things develop, we will bring the news to you so that we all make informed decisions.